Judges chapter 6. Today I want to talk to you about Gideon. Gideon, one of, one of my favorite passages in the Bible or, or stories in the Old Testament about individuals who went from nothing to do great things uh, is Gideon. And I think part of the reason why it's such an encouragement is you see him when he starts out, he literally is the opposite of what God wants him to be. And actually, he's the opposite of what God is going to make him become. Uh, if, and we're going to read, we're going to start reading at verse 1, and we're going to read at least right now down through uh, to verse 12. Verse 13, actually. The Bible says, Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites, because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count the men and their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. When the Israelites cried to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, This is what the Lord God of Israel says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I snatched you from the power of Egypt and from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them from before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. <clears throat> Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abizrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty Warrior. But, sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. I'm going to stop reading right there. We're going to read more a little bit later on. But just to give you a little bit of background about what it is that's going on in this passage of Scripture. The Bible lets us know that the people of Israel did evil in the eyes of, of the Lord. They strayed away from God. God had brought a mighty deliverance to the people of Israel. He brought them out of Egypt, out of slavery, a miraculous crossing of the Red Sea. He preserved them all those 40 years in the desert as they wandered into the wilderness and then brought them into a new land. He promised that he would do that. His promise was absolutely true. 
He fulfilled it. He said, I'm going to bring you into the land flowing with milk and honey. It's going to have abundance. It's going to have everything that you need. And there, throughout the life of Joshua, they, they took possession of the land. But the Bible lets us know earlier in the book of Judges that there, after Joshua and all of those leaders had died, there was a generation that arose after them that did not know the Lord or all the things that he had done. They were not part of that group that came out of Egypt. They weren't part of that group that came across the Jordan into the new land. They were a new generation. And brothers and sisters, if there is anything that we are learning today in the church, it is there is a new generation of young people that are out there who need to know the Lord. They need to know the power of God. They need to know what it is that God can do for them, not what it is that, you know, the latest game can do for them, what it is the, the, latest, the, the latest, you know, Hollywood figure, the, the latest athlete can do for them, not the latest rock band can do for them. It is what God can do for them. We're living in a time where we need to see the power of God. Because in many ways, even our culture is like that of the Israelites. And especially within the church culture, we are finding that we are hiding the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're hiding what it is that we possess. Because somehow the enemy has been allowed to get in and steal away from us what it is that God desires us to accomplish in the body of Christ. Midian was coming in and they were stealing and taking. The Bible says earlier in this chapter, it says the people of Israel were planting crops and the Midian was coming in. They were either stealing the crops once they were full grown or they were destroying the crops before they had a chance to grow and, and, and provide food for the people. So now all of a sudden, you're finding that people are starving and whatever kind of meager existence they're trying to squeeze out and eke out, they're, they're having to hide and somehow get enough food just for their families to exist on. This, for all intents and purposes, you could say that the Israelites were starving at this point. Seven years this is going on. It doesn't take long for all of a sudden the food supply chain to get cut off before people begin to feel like our lives are over. There is nothing that we can do. And they, the Bible says that they cried out to the Lord. And listen to what happens. The Bible indicates earlier, and we just read this passage, that the Lord raised up a prophet, sent the prophet to them and said, I want, I want you to hear me and I want you to know what it is that I'm saying to you. You did not obey what I told you to obey when I brought you up out of Egypt. You went away from me. And so now, here you are. <laughs> it's an amazing thing. Oftentimes as preachers, we, you know, we, we were taught always, always, as, as in Bible college, always sort of, you know, end on an up note. This prophet comes in there and says, you disobeyed God. You got yourself into this mess. Bye. <laughs> in essence, that's what he said. And you can imagine the people all of a sudden kind of looking wide-eyed, but we prayed. But here's the great thing about God. This, you've got to see this. Because even though they cried out to the Lord, the prophet delivered this scathing message to them that said, listen, you guys got yourself into this. You got yourself into this, and, and you need to know why you're in this situation. And then he leaves. God was still working in the background. They couldn't see it. 
They couldn't see what God was doing, but all of a sudden God decides, you know what? Let me send an angel down to, to this guy Gideon. I'm, I'm seeing him right now. And the Bible says that he was threshing wheat in a wine press. And this is where we want to look at the call of Gideon. The call of Gideon. He was, the Bible says he was threshing wheat in a wine press. Do you really get that and what it is that's going on? Because how many of you know you don't thresh wheat in a wine press? You press wine in a wine press. The wine press was empty of all of the grapes and everything that they would need to make the, the wine that they would need at that time, it was emptied out. It was gone. So now, you know, the Midianites knew that. They said, we emptied it all out. We're getting rid of, of, of all of their supplies. So, so we don't need to bother with that. But here is Gideon. He's sneaking into this wine press. He's got a little bit of wheat, and he's threshing it out in, the, in the, that vat, wherever it was, whatever type of thing it was. And he was threshing out the wheat in the wine press and hiding it from the Midianites. He's trying to eke out a meager living they had gotten themselves into this situation because of sin and there was oppression there was destruction there was fear but behind the scenes you need to know this that God is still moving and he's still active God had delivered a message through that prophet but now God was delivering another message to one man through whom he was going to make a difference brothers and sisters it doesn't take very much for God to begin to do great things in your life and in my life to bring about a great change. We might think I'm one person. Ah, but you are one. And God is able to do with one so much. You will not believe what it is that he is able to do. This is what ruled the hearts and the minds of the people, the fear, the depression, the destruction, the despair, the sin, all of that. On, on, on top of all of these things, the enemy seemed too big too large for them to be able to handle. And the circumstances surrounding the, the call of Gideon involved a lot of negative things, a lot of things that were against the people, a lot of things that were even against him. He was scared. He was afraid. He was out there. Obviously, he was threshing wheat in a wine press, so he was trying to hide. He wasn't out there in the open saying, you know what, I'm tired of these Midianites. Let there be an uprising in Israel. He wasn't that kind of guy. He wasn't the rebel. He was just trying to make it. He was just trying to survive. And it might be that you walked into this building today feeling in your heart that you're just trying to survive spiritually, maybe even through life. Brothers and sisters, God has more in store for his people than just survival. He's got more in store for you than you just somehow getting by. Maybe life has handed you a whole lot of pain and a whole lot of struggle and a whole lot of trouble. And maybe in the middle of all of that, you think, I don't know if I am going to make it. But somehow I'm just going to keep going, keep plugging ahead. But there's no hope on the inside. You see, God showed up to a man who had no hope. And he instilled hope in his heart. And, and he put it into his life in that moment when he showed up. Now, not without doubts, obviously. Gideon certainly doubted who it was that God was talking to when the angel of the Lord showed up and said, The Lord is with you. What does he say? He says, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. This guy looked anything but like a mighty warrior. 
Here he was threshing wheat in a wine press. He was just, you know, trying to get by. He did not look like he was anybody who could take care of anything. He certainly didn't look like a leader. And the last thing he looked like was a warrior. You will see his response in verse 13. He says, but sir, seriously, a mighty warrior, are you kidding me? And yet the, the word of the Lord came. The Lord is with you. This is something we need to get a hold of. Because so often we operate on feelings. You know, I don't feel the presence of the Lord. You know, I don't feel like God is there. I don't feel like anything good is going to come. How many of you would say, I don't feel, I don't feel? I, I will be the first to admit. I don't feel like this is going to I don't feel like that's going to happen. And so often we are walking by our feelings. The Bible says we've got to walk by faith. And not by sight. Sight dictates how you feel. So it's a matter of who are you looking at. Right at this point, God was going to refocus Gideon's attention. His attention was on his problem. His attention was on the lack of food. His attention was upon the fact that the Midianites were stealing everything and they weren't sure if they were going to survive. His attention was on all of those things. And now God shows up and begins to change his focus. God wants to change your focus today. He wants to change it from how you feel today and what it is that you're looking at in this life. And he wants you to begin to do as the psalmist David says, I will lift my eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord, the writer of Hebrews says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Brothers and sisters, we got to look at the right stuff if we're going to make it. He had to change his focus. He had to change how it was and what it was that he was looking at. He was looking at somehow just getting by. God does not want you to look at getting by. He wants you to begin to understand that he wants you to thrive where you are. Brothers and sisters, we have made this about survival. It's not about survival. It's about victory. It's about coming out on the winning side. God will call you in the midst of your pain and struggle and say, you're a mighty man, a mighty woman of God, and I've got a plan for you he had doubts he says but wait a minute he doubted that God cared and he doubted that he God was even there we've all been in that situation before he had the mentality that bad things happen because God is not there or certainly it all happens because certainly he can't care if it's if, if something bad is happening then how could God be present this is a typical mindset of people today who are away from God. But God does not forsake anyone. The Bible says, I am with you always. Jesus said those words. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. In the, in the book of Hebrews, it says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Brothers and sisters, Jesus himself promised that when he ascended into heaven, he was going to send another comforter who was going to be with you and he was going to be in you. He said to his disciples, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Brothers and sisters, God has not bailed out on you just because life has not been fair to you. Just because life has been a bigger problem than you signed up for. Just because things have happened in your life that you never dreamed could happen, God is still present in the midst of all of that, and it's through that that he wants to accomplish something great. 
in the middle of Gideon's doubts about God being with them, there is also a hint of dissatisfaction. I like this about the way things are. And let me tell you something. When you begin to get dissatisfied about the way things are, it's God begin to stir, stir your heart. He's beginning to do something on the inside of you that says something has to change. I want out of here. I don't need this anymore. I want there to be a change for the kingdom of God. I want God to do something great. Listen, brothers and sisters, we can't get so comfortable in our Christian lives that we just kind of sit by and say, well, let me just, you know, survive until I get to heaven. No, no, no. God, as I've said before, will say it again. God's plan for you is for you to thrive and have victory so you can take as many people to heaven with you as you possibly can. God has good things in store, and so oftentimes we live under the weight of oppression. We live under the weight of difficulties and problems, but all of a sudden there is a dissatisfaction that comes. There is something that stirs on the inside. We say, I, you know, I got to... You know, I got to change my situation. Maybe, you know, maybe if you're married, you got to change. You got to get a divorce, and that's going to change things. Or maybe if you're, you're single, well, I just, I got to get married. Whoever, who the next person I can find, just get married. Or if you're young, you know, you just, you find, latch on to whatever friend you can find. Whoever they are, whatever they do, it doesn't really matter. But that's not the way to fill that satisfaction. The way to fill the satisfaction is to get into the presence presence of almighty God and say, God, there isn't anybody in this world who can satisfy my heart like you can. Let me come to you and let me find in you that one who is always with me. That hint of dissatisfaction can be used to go in the wrong direction or it can be used to go in the right direction. See, when God moved upon you to come to the Lord and give your heart to Christ, he was stirring on the inside. There was a bit of dissatisfaction about how your life was without him. And so that dissatisfaction, it drove you to him. He, he attracted you. He called you. He called you. And you came running to him. And he came to you and ministered to you. You see, God showed up to Gideon. And he said, the Lord is with you, you mighty warrior. Can you imagine at that moment what Gideon thought as he heard those words? Imagine for a moment that you're Gideon. You're sitting there and you're hiding. You've got enough food to kind of bring home to your family. You're going to hide it maybe inside your coat as you're going to come home and you're going to at least have a little bit to get by on for the day. And God shows up and says, hey, you're a mighty man. You're a mighty woman. And he looks up and says, oh, no, not me. I'm not the guy. Remember Moses? Moses had the same reaction. God had a plan for him. No, no, Lord, not me. I, Jeremiah had the same reaction. But Lord, I'm too young. I can't do the work of God. I can't speak. And nobody's going to listen to me. I'm just a young guy. They're not going to listen. Moses said, I, I have a speech impediment. They're not going to listen to me. And God says, you know what, I've got a plan for you. You see, God does not look at us for who we are at the moment. He looks at us for who he's going to cause us to become. 
He's going to, he sees us for what he's going to pour into us and make us accomplish through his power and through his grace, through his mercy. God has great things in store for you. Brothers and sisters, it's time we start believing the word of the Lord that says you're a mighty man. You're a mighty woman of valor. You're somebody who will rise up in this generation that's away from God and do something powerful and something great for the kingdom. Here's the commission of Gideon. Verse 14. I love the fact that Gideon, you know, just kind of threw all that junk out. In verse 13, it says, wait a minute. You know, why has all this happened to us? Where are all the wonders that our fathers told us about? Didn't the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? Now the Lord's abandoned us. And you would think that at that moment, the angel Lord, all right, fine, I got to deal with these theological issues. You know, it's the questions of the culture. You know, if there was a God, then why are all the bad things happening in the world? You know what God does? God says, let's not talk about that. Let's talk about the fact that I've got a plan for you. Verse 14 says this. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have. Notice that, the strength you have. To Gideon, he didn't feel like he had any. He didn't think he had any strength. And why would we assume that he did? By looking at the guy hiding in a wine press trying to thresh wheat. But now God is also seeing something on the inside of him that he doesn't see. And he says, now go in the strength you have. What strength? It's a strength that God is going to give. It's a strength that you might not be able to see. It's a strength that you don't know in that moment you have. But it's something that God is going to put into your life to cause you to have an effect. To cause you to have an impact in the world that we are living in. To cause you to be different, young people, when you walk the halls of your school. To cause you to be different, uh, grown-ups, when you walk down the corridors of your workplace. To cause you to be different when you walk into your apartment building or wherever it is that you live this afternoon after leaving this building to cause you to be what God has called you to be. God says go in the strength that you have. You say, I don't feel like I have any, but you do. You do because God is going to pour it into you. He is going to give it to you and he is going to help you to rise up and be all that he has called you to be. Go in the strength you have. God's presence makes us mighty. Verse 14, the rest of that says, am I not sending you? You see, you're not doing it alone. Sometimes we think, you know, I'm, I'm at least growing up, in a small town, I knew there were other young people in my church. I knew that there were, you know, my dad was the pastor, and I, we had a small youth group, and I, I knew there were other kids that were there. But strangely enough, when we went, and we all went to the same school, it's not like in the city where, you know, you, you live in different neighborhoods. Many of you, you come from different neighborhoods, and so your kids go to different schools. You get the feeling, I had the feeling, like I'm the only one or, or the only one trying. You might even feel that way because you come to, to church, you see other kids around you, other young people around you who are, who, who are making an effort to serve the Lord, but they don't go to your school. And now all of a sudden you're here, you think I'm the only one. But you need to know this. And God was trying to assure Gideon, he was not alone. You are not alone where you are. Say, I'm the only believer on my job. 
You might be the only believer, but you're not alone. You are never, never alone. God is walking with you. He says, am I not sending you this so powerfully? This is so powerfully personal when we look at it that God is the one who is sending us. He's sending you. God didn't choose anyone in Israel to accomplish the task. He chose Gideon. He didn't choose just anybody. He chose Gideon. The guy that we see afraid That's whom God chose. You say, I'm not sure I can do it. No, you might not be sure in yourself, but you need to get a hold of the word of the Lord. You need to see what God is saying, not what you're saying, not what your heart is saying, but what God is saying about you, that he will pour in something great. And he says, I will be with you. Now, weakness is not an excuse. I want you to get this. It's not an excuse but rather it's a qualification. How many of you uh, recently have maybe looked at job descriptions, looking for jobs or other jobs or, you know, a better job? You've looked at job descriptions. Usually you'll see qualifications listed, right? Now, most of those qualifications, they're looking for somebody with experience. They're looking for somebody who knows how to work on the computer. They're looking for somebody who, you know, has particular experience in the field. And they list all the qualifications. Literally, the way that some of these things read, it makes it look like they are looking for, you know, the the person who just invented, you know, electricity a long time ago. I mean, they're looking for geniuses. Or they're looking, and you kind of read that and you say, ah, not sure I'm qualified for that one. Not sure I'm qualified for that one. I love how employers turn it around, though. You go for the interview, and usually they don't want you. They usually say, you know, I think you're a little overqualified. Basically, what they're saying is, you don't have it. You don't have it to do this. But nonetheless, qualifications. Now, the last thing you would ever begin to see in a job description is, if you are absolutely weak, you're perfect for us. If you don't, if you dropped out of school in second grade, you are, you are our guy for the job. We want you. You're the one who can do it. No, 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 listen, listen. The Bible says this, verse 15. He says, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. Get that. He's making an excuse because he's weak, he's a nobody, he's a nothing. But listen, brothers and sisters, did not God choose the weak things of the world to confound the wise? Isn't it in our weakness that we are made strong? Isn't it in the midst of our feeling down and feeling low like somehow that is an opportunity for God to do great things? Brothers and sisters, you might have walked in feeling weak this morning, but you need to know you are the right man or the right woman for the job because God again is going to pour in his strength and he is going to help you to live a life that is pleasing to him and accomplish great things for the kingdom. Now, not only do we see the commission of Gideon, the call of Gideon, the commission of Gideon, but the companionship for Gideon. We read verse 16 again. God assures him. Look down at verse 16. The Lord answered, 
I will be with you. He reassures him of that fact. He has already stated that the Lord was with him, but he says, I will be with you and you'll strike down the Midianites. There's no greater promise in the Bible than the fact that God would be merciful enough to be with Gideon. God would be merciful to him and be with him in the hour of testing, in the hour of difficulty. What God was trying to do in Gideon's heart was to get the picture of the Midianites out of it. He says, I want you to get the picture of the enemy out. Stop looking at them. Stop seeing how many they are. Stop seeing how, how bad and how big they are. Stop seeing all the answers that say no, 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 no. And I want you to begin to look up. I want you to begin to see something greater than those problems. It's like Brother Gordon Jensen, when he was here last year, he sang this song, one of my favorite songs. He sang, bigger than all my problems, bigger than all my fears. God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. And brothers and sisters, we have got to begin to look at who God is and who is delivering this message to us so we don't flounder away in our depression and in our fear and in our feeling of weaknesses, but then we will begin to rise up and say, Lord, you're the one who has called us. You're the one who is going to do great things things in and through us, and you are with me. God does not bail out on you. So, well, I haven't had a, you know, I haven't, I haven't had faith. You know, I love the picture, and, and obviously it's an artist's conception. We don't know totally what happened, but I, I think most artists have read this passage of Scripture where Peter is walking out on the water, and usually the artists depict Peter about waist high in the water. Now remember, Peter had made it part of the way to Jesus as the storm was happening and Jesus comes walking on the water and, and, he, and, he, and he calls out, Jesus, if that's you, bid me to come to you on the water. And Jesus says, sure, come on out. And then Peter steps out onto the water. He's out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. Steps out on the water and he starts to walk toward Jesus. And we see the conception that most artists draw that, and, and have painted that Peter is about to sink. But the one thing that I believe is true, and we read it in the scripture as well, in that story as well, that when Peter begins to sink, Jesus doesn't look at him and say, you, you, you know, well, what's the matter with you? How come you didn't have faith? You know what? Get down there. You know, Jesus didn't push him the rest of the way down. Come on, Peter, what's the matter with you? He didn't do that. But the artists have drawn, and we see that this is probably scripturally true. Jesus reaches out and takes hold of Peter. You see, brothers and sisters, even in your lack of faith, God does not push you to one side. You say, I don't have enough faith. And, and, and because I don't have faith, God is not going to, you know, he's just going to cast me aside. He doesn't do that. He didn't do it to Peter. Peter all of a sudden looked around and said, ooh, wind, waves. This, I'm out on the water. I'm not supposed to be doing this. This is not something we human beings do. And all of a sudden he starts to sink and then Jesus reaches out and he pulls him up. He helps him. Brothers and sisters, God is not here to beat you on the head for a lack of faith. He's here to bolster your faith. He's here to teach you how to have faith. He's here to teach you to believe that in the midst of all of that, he's still with you. He's still there. He's still going to help you. And no matter how big the problems might be, the Lord is with you. They might seem bigger than you, no matter what it is, sickness, 
sin that so easily entangles, family members bent on you know, giving themselves to sin even though it's destroying them. We've seen it. And you see it all the time. And yet in the midst of all of that, those problems are not bigger than God. Those problems, the Midianites were not bigger than God. They were bigger than Gideon, but not bigger than God. In the New Testament, we read about the fact that God will be in you. That the Holy Spirit will take up residence in you. That's not God with you. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So you can know this, that your companionship is constant. That everybody else around you may walk away from you, may give up on you, and they may not understand you, but you need to know this. You need to know that God is with you at all times because the Bible reveals that when you give your heart to Christ, it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He's always there with you. Let's go to this last thing, and that is the celebration of Gideon. Jump down to verses 22 and 24, 22 through 24, the Bible says this, when Gideon realized it, excuse me, yeah, verse 22, when Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, ah, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face, but the Lord said to him, peace. Do not be afraid. You're not going to die. There was the belief that if you saw an angel of the Lord, you would die. Anytime we see it in Scripture, nobody died. But the Bible says this, peace, do not be afraid. You are not going to die. Verse 24, so Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, the Lord is peace. To this day, it stands in Ophrah of the Abizrites. You see, God's peace guards your heart. God's peace guards our hearts. The Lord is peace. It is proclaimed. Gideon's peace was dependent on his trust in the Lord and his ability to take refuge in the Lord. Now, all of a sudden, things are beginning to change. His mindset is beginning to change. He realizes this is the Lord who has showed up to me. And he recognizes in this moment that God has something good in store. And he calls that place or he proclaims the Lord is peace. It isn't the knowledge of God is peace. He is peace. He absolutely is peace. His presence brings peace. His presence causes your heart to, that is in turmoil to all of a sudden settle and say, you know what? God is in control. God is in charge. And I'm going to put my trust in him no matter what's happening. He is peace. Listen, attending church, though we're grateful you do, attending church doesn't bring peace. It is finding refuge in the Lord that brings peace. Paul put it this way in Philippians 4 and verse 7, the Bible says, And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He is the God of all peace. And that peace will guard your heart and mind. If there is anything that Gideon was going to need, and we don't have time to get into the rest of the story, as it were, but if there was anything that Gideon was going to need as he approaches this battle, with the Midianites and how God was going to work and move in it all, he was going to need peace. 
Brothers and sisters, don't let the enemy upset the peace of your heart. Don't let anything get in the way and cause your heart to be in such turmoil that you don't have the peace of God. The cross of Jesus Christ speaks powerfully of peace. The Bible lets us know that he was nailed to the cross. And as he was nailed to the cross, that he brought peace. He made peace with us. God, the Father, now coming together with humankind who is so sinful. But now the Bible says he made the two one and brought peace. Brothers and sisters, you and I need to know that as a result of what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross, we have peace with him. You see, God wanted to accomplish something great through this man Gideon. But God had to do a work in his heart first. And oftentimes that's the way it is with us. God's got to do something on the inside of us before he can use us out there. Before he can use us on the outside. Before he can minister to other people. He's got to work something on the inside of our hearts. Say, how's he going to do it? Is he going to do it in a time of prayer around an altar? You know what? Those are are rare. But it's going to be as we just on a daily basis yield ourselves to the Lord. Give ourselves to prayer. Give ourselves to the word. And let God do the work on the inside. Look, God's got so much more in store for you the same way he had in store for Gideon. Fear might hold you back. Fear might hold you back from being able to share the word of the Lord. But I want to close with these words that God said to him. Am I not sending you? I will be with you. This isn't just, you know... Your best friend saying, you know, I'll be there right with you. You know, I got your back. You know, your husband, your wife, your friend, your neighbor, somebody who, you know, could get stuck in traffic or they could get stuck somewhere else or something else can happen to them that all of a sudden now the dependability factor goes out the window. No, no, no. This isn't isn't another human being who has the same set of problems and difficulties that you might have. This is God Almighty who has gone to every expense and gone through every expense to make sure that you know he loves you with an everlasting love, to make sure that he knows, that you know that he is with you every step of the way. Listen, if you depend on me, even as a pastor, I might fail you, might not be there at the moment that you need. But you know what? I'm here to tell you there is somebody who will always always be there for you. There will be always someone there that you can reach out to and you can cry out to. And the one who's the Bible says, there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. That's Jesus. It's talking about Jesus. He is that friend that sticks closer than a brother. Let's stand to our feet right now.